This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Rusty Gray and Toya Christian Fellowship. For more information, visit tcfministries.org. Here's the thing. The offer of Christianity is life. Now, I don't know what you've been told about Christianity. I don't know how you've coupled Christianity in church or how you grew up or what you've been told. But the offer is life. You see, you don't inherit the pew. You inherit the kingdom. When you know Jesus, you're a citizen of a kingdom. The Bible says it's the kingdom of God's love. You see, one of the things that we're about at Tulia Christian Fellowship is life change. Now, here's the thing about Christianity. You see, you think, "Uh uh-oh, here it comes. He's going to tell me all the things that I need to do different. He's going to tell me all the things that I have to change. But you see, here's what happens. See, Christianity is not about willpower. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about you bucking up. I talked to a man just the other day who struggles with addiction, and he told me, he said, my thirst is stronger than my willpower. See, Christianity is not a self-help program. It never has been because it doesn't work, right? You know, when I decide, hey, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Well, you know what I'm going to do, right? Well, I'm going to eat more donuts in the next week that I've eaten in the last five years because my willpower doesn't do anything for me, right? Well, that's not what Christianity is. See, Christianity, the offer is life. And I can guarantee you this, when you draw close to Jesus, when you come to church, your life will change. Your life will become different. Your family will become better. And it's not because of willpower. It's not because you buck up or any of those things. It's because Jesus said, I've come. It says in the New Testament, he said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. The Bible also says that in him was life and the light was the light of men. Well, I don't know about you, but, you know, you grow up in church. That's how I grew up in church. And sometimes we're, we get the wrong message or we hear the wrong thing or, you know, we kind of get trapped into religion when that's not Christianity was ever supposed to be about. Jesus is offering life. You see, that's what the cross was about. He says, hey, if you'll come with me, I'll give you life. Now, it's not physical life, okay? And we have physical life. The Greek word is suke. It means breath. It's soul. Okay, you see, I, I can feel my heart beating. If you'll put your hand on your chest, you can too. The, I know blood is flowing through my veins, and I'm, I'm breathing this morning. And that's physical life. And there's going to be a day that's going to end. But that's not the life I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's life. The, the Greek word is zoe. It's eternal life. Okay? It's life that never ends. Now, but now here's what we've done to eternal life. We've turned eternal life into life later. Oh, I'm going to receive Christ as my Savior. I did that when I was a 12-year-old boy. And the Bible says that when I did that, Jesus made his home on the inside of me. You see, I have eternal life on the inside of me. But what we've done is we've said, oh, that, that life is for later. But that's not what it says. That's not what it means. See, eternal life is not later life. Eternal life is never ending life. And you and I have it if you know Christ is your Savior. And if you don't, here in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to have it. But think about all the places we go looking for life. And they're not bad places. I don't mean sin. But just think of the places we go, whether it's to work or 
Maybe we try to squeeze life out of a grandchild or out of a child or uh, out of a bank account or out, out of recreation. And, you know, I love recreation. My gosh, I, I'm nothing but just a big old kid. That, that's all I am. But you know what I know? Your life is too big for recreation. You see, you can't sit in the deer blind long enough. You can't put enough heads on the wall for it to give you life. It, it doesn't work. See, all the places we go looking for hope, looking for happiness, can only be found in Jesus Christ because he's the one that's offering life. Now, the story you just saw about Bebo, uh, he talked about how his life was changed. And it was changed by the good news, by the gospel. See, that word gospel, that's a New Testament word. Uh, and what it means is good news. All right, again, all right, now here's the thing I want you to see this morning, this Easter morning. Christianity's offer is life, not religion, okay? And then it's supposed to be good news, good news. Now, just think this morning, let me just give you some thoughts, okay? You know, it's tax time, so you go down to sign the papers where you get your taxes done, and the lady says, oh, you're going to get 5000 back. Whoo, that's good news, right? Man, you're, you're, you've got some money. Or you go to the doctor, and they say, you're going to have to run some tests, and we think maybe you could have a tumor, and, but we don't know. And that phone call comes, and they say, well, the, the, the test came back negative, and, and you're okay. Oh, it's good news. Or maybe you heard, you know, maybe you've had a diagnosis of cancer. You know somebody that has. And then they do the chemo, and, and they call and say, well, your numbers are down, and, and things look good. It's, it's good news. Right? Uh, somebody comes by your workstation and says, hey, the boss needs to see you. Can you go by and talk to him? And your heart jumps in your throat. And you think, oh, my gosh, what have I done? And you go in and he says, well, I've noticed you, you've done a good job and I want to give you a raise. Good news. You know, or you, you have a daughter that calls and say your daughter's been in an auto accident. And the car's tore all to pieces, but she's okay. Okay, that's good news. Okay, that's exactly what the gospel is. It's good news. And it's good news in three simple ways. The first and the most powerful is you've been forgiven. I don't know about you, but that takes a weight off my life and off my shoulders. Whatever you've done, listen, whatever you've done in your past, whatever you did this morning, whatever you did yesterday, whatever you're going to do tomorrow, you've been forgiven. You've been set free. Jesus came and he paid the price. I want to read a verse to you. It's in... Uh, Romans 4.25, out of the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. It says, he, he is Jesus. He was handed over to die because of our sin. You see, Jesus, we, you, Jesus didn't go to the cross for himself. He went to the cross for me. Why did Jesus die? Well, he died. It says right here, he died for my sin. He died for your sin. He died for that stuff that I've done that I'm not proud of. He died because of who I, who I was. And so the good news is I'm forgiven. Then it says... And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Now, I love that New Living Translation. I love that phrase, right with God. Oh, I don't know about you, but it just, it soothes my soul to know that Jesus died on the cross, not for himself, but for me, and it can make me right with God. You know, here's the thing. See, all of us as humanity are in a long line, and it's the line of death, and each, each day, you know, I take another step. And when you get to the end of the line, there's where the executioner is and where I have to justly pay for my sin and for my crimes. But Jesus stepped up to me and he said, hey, Rusty, step out of line. I'll, t I'll take your place. 
And you see, Jesus took my place. He took your place. He took all of our places. And it says in the scripture that he went to the cross because of my sin. And then it says that I can be made right with God. Bebo talked about his destiny. And, you know, he was afraid that he was going to die as a young man because his father did. You know, my dad passed away when he was 42 and I was 18. He was killed in an accident at his job. And I didn't have that destiny or that thought like Bebo did. But I can tell you this. I, can, I figured up in my own life, I can remember when my dad died, and I figured up the year, how old he was, 42. I figured how many months he lived and how many days he lived, and then I did that in my life. And as I approached 42, I can tell you, I can remember the year, the month, and the day, the day that I was exactly the same age my father was on the day that he died. Now, I, I didn't think like Bebo did that I was going to die an early death, but I know all of us at one time in our life can be tormented with our destiny. What does the future hold? I mean, we can watch the news, and it's not a very happy thing. And one of the scriptures we have on the wall here, one of our life verses, if you will, is that, that God's plans for us are good and not evil. You see, God has a plan for me, and that plan is forgiveness. The next thing that plan is is healing. Now, I believe in physical healing. I believe the Bible talks about physical healing. 1 Peter 2.24 says, By Jesus' stripes we were healed. Well, that word stripes means where Jesus was beat. You know, in the New Testament, it talks about how before he went to the cross, the Roman soldiers whipped him and he took stripes on his back. And it was a terrible, brutal beating. And it says, By those stripes we were healed. Bebo gives the testimony. And see, I believe God uses doctors. Doctors are a gift. You don't have to have healing without doctors. You can have healing without doctors. Many people have, but you can have healing with doctors. You see, I can see you this morning with these eyes, even though I've had four or five or six surgeries, because God used a doctor, but then he also touched my eyes. So I believe in physical healing. I've been healed. Probably many of you have had been touched with healing. But here's what's even more amazing than that. You can be healed in your soul. You can be healed in your heart. Here, here's what I know. I know that there are many of you here this morning and you've been brokenhearted. You've been brokenhearted and it may be because of death. It may be because of divorce. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I know you've been brokenhearted. You can also be broken in your mind. And what do you mean by that? Well, will you lay down at night and you're tormented. And you're tormented in your mind because of your past. Or you're tormented because of some things you said that you wish you could take back. And you don't have any peace. Here's what I know about peace. It's priceless. It's priceless. If you don't have peace, you would pay all the money in the world for it. Well, the good news is you can be healed. Your broken heart can be healed. That hurt, that wound, that brokenness from life, Jesus will heal it. And he'll also bring peace in your mind. So what you've done is forgiven, and then he'll bring healing into your heart and your soul and into your mind. And then it says the third thing, which I've touched on, is, is he'll give you life. Now, Bebo said this. He said he gave it to God, and he trusted him. Can I encourage you in that this morning? You see, every day I pray this. I pray, Lord Jesus, fill me today with your life and your love. Now, I know Jesus is never going to leave me or forsake me, and I know he dwells on the inside of me. But it's a daily walk, see? It's not a weekly walk. Jesus, fill me today with your life and your love. And then I say this, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Well, did you hear Bebo talk about how he struggled with that? And we've all struggled with it. Lord, I, I want to trust you with my life. He said that he gave it to God and he trusted him. And he, did you hear him talk about how he's worried about his friends? Yeah, I wonder if I'll be invited to the parties anymore. 
You know, I wonder if they'll invite me over because I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. I'm going to trust him with my life. Let me read you another verse. Let me read to you out of uh, Romans 3.22. It says, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Again, I love that language, right with God. Now, I watch people do all kinds of things trying to be made right with God. You know, it's Easter. Thank God for Easter. We love Easter. You're our fourth Easter service. Okay, how, how audacious, isn't that a good word? Audacious, right? Wasn't there an old rodeo bull named Bodacious, right? All right, all day, think how audacious it is that we had four Easter services in Tulia, Texas. Yeah, now I don't know what the numbers are. My heart, we've been talking about it in church that we'd have 500 people. And I, 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 we don't know the final count yet, but it, man, it's good to have a goal. But I, people are here, and, I, and I'm glad you're here. But a lot of times, you know, what we think is, man, if I go to church on Easter, God will be happy. And God's always happy when you're here, don't get me wrong. But there's only one thing that'll make you right with God. Right? And that scripture says we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what does that look like, Pastor? What are you, what are you talking about? Well, here, here's what I've done. Jesus, number one, I believe you're real. You were a real historical person. You lived and you died. But when you died, you died on a cross. And you didn't die on that cross for yourself. You did it for me. And then they put you in a grave for three days. And then just like you said you would, you rose from the dead. And the verse I read said you rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven. And I believe that and I receive it into my life. See, that's what it says. I'm made right with God by putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe you're who you are and you did what you did for me. And then it says I'm made right with God. Now the King James Bible uses the word righteousness and I like that word too. Righteousness means right standing. What does that mean? Well, you see, I'm in right standing with God this morning. I'm righteous, okay? I'm right with God. If you know Jesus as your savior, you're right with God. Now, Vicki and I have been married almost 40 years, and I, I love my wife so much, and I'm so thankful for the marriage that we have, and we're partners in our, we're team members, we're a team, we, we do life together, we do church together, we, what, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, you know, I help at the house, okay, and I, I, I want to be a good husband, and I, I'm not a perfect husband by any means, but I try to help, and we do dishes together, and we cook together, and, and we, yesterday we cleaned together. We're a team, okay? And I want my, my wife to be pleased with me, and, and I love her, and she loves me. But no matter what I do, no matter what good things I do, and I try to do good things, I'm not anymore married, right? I, I'm married whether I'm, 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 you know, I do everything right or not, I, I don't get any more married. Does that make sense to you? Okay, it's the same way with God, see. When you invite Christ into your life, you're right with God. You're in right standing with God. You're righteous. And no matter what you do, you don't get any more righteous. See, by being here Easter, which is good that you're here, you're not any more righteous. God's already right with you, and you're already right with him, and you already have a relationship. And the next thing it says, it says this, I love that. This is true. Don't you love that? It's just how simple is that? This is true, and it's true for everyone who believes. See, that's the key. And you know, not everybody believes. You know that, don't you? I have a father-in-law who doesn't believe. It says, but it's true for anyone who believes, no matter who we are. Now, Bebo talked about his person of faith. And if you listen to his story, I love it. He said some friends invited him to church. I said this last week, and it's worth saying again today. The world doesn't have any answers. The culture that we live in, they don't have any answers or any hope. And don't you believe the lie? Oh, I don't need to invite my neighbor to church. Their life is okay. No, their life's not okay if they don't have Christ in their life. 
Bebo said his friends invited him to church. Then they invited him to men's retreat, and his life was changed because somebody cared enough to say, hey, won't you come with me? Then he talked about how his mother was a beacon of light in his life. His mother was, a, his, he called her his person of faith. Now, I just got a couple of things I'm thinking about that. All right, I think about, and I, I want to make sure I get it right. Who is your person of faith? You see, my person of faith was my dad. Okay, I can remember my dad getting in bed at night and propping up his pillow, and he had a white leather Bible, and I still have that Bible. And he would read his Bible at night in bed, and I would see him read his Bible. And then, you know, he took us to church. He didn't send us to church. He took us. And as I became a teenager, and I began to do some things that I don't want to talk about, you know, that teenagers do, uh, my dad took such great, he relished such pleasure in coming in and flipping the light on and kicking the bed. And, you know, I slept in the same room with my brother and we slept in twin beds and he'd kick the bed and he'd say, get up, get up, let's go to church. He never did say, if you want to. You know, my dad never did ever say, if you want to go, you can. No, he, he relished it, especially if I'd been doing some things maybe that I shouldn't do. He was my person of faith. Okay, who, who's the person of faith in your life? Who, and everybody has one. Who's, I hope you have one. Who's that person in your life <clears throat> that they're glad you're here this morning? They're glad you're in church. They, they're glad when you work on your marriage. They're glad, and, and they want you to do the right thing. And you've got that person in your life that bugs you a little bit. And, you know, that person who says, hey, you know, you know maybe you're drinking too much. Or, hey, I notice you're, not, you're fighting too much in your marriage. Or, you know, how are things going at work? You know, that person of faith. Okay, then, then the next question is, what person has you as their person of faith? Now, let me take just a minute and talk to you that if you're a parent or a grandparent, moms and dads, memos and pawpaws, that's what I called mine. It might be something different for you, but it was my memo and my pawpaw. If I can get you to understand this morning how much influence you have and how powerful you are as a mom, as a dad, as a grandparent. Listen, your children and your grandchildren and your grown children and your children's mates and all of that, they're watching you. They're watching you. See, you are somebody's person of faith. And if I can just get you to understand, man, that you, know, you bring your family to church and it's so great that you're here today and, and that you, you're doing the right thing and that you're a beacon of light. Bebo said his mother was a beacon of light. No matter what he did in his life, she was that beacon of light. Think about you being that beacon of light, particularly in, in your own family. Okay, Are you leading your family in the paths of righteousness or do you lead your family somewhere else? You know, what's celebrated in your family? What's laughed at in your family? What's lifted up in your family? Is it the world or is it the love of Jesus Christ? So he talked about that, and I just want you to think this morning about you being that person of faith in your family with your kids and with your grandkids. Listen, my dad was such a tremendous influence in my life, and I lost him when I was 18. Bebo lost his mother when, when, he, when he was young like I was. I lost my dad. But listen, right now today in my life, right now, today, I would not want to do anything that would make my dad uh, embarrassed or not be happy with me. Uh, just like Bebo, one of the reasons I knew to go to church is because I knew my dad wanted me to. Think about your influence. I want to read you one more verse this morning, and then I want to close. I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 1, and it's going to come up on the screen. Bebo talked about uh, when he had that wreck that it was a big change in his life. And I, I want to make it real clear to you. I want you to understand the wreck was not what changed Bebo. Okay, it wasn't that. What changed Bebo was his heart. You see, I remember when he had that accident, 
And uh, they called and said, Bebo's been in an accident. He's in the hospital. And as a pastor, my gosh, I've done many, many hospital visits and, and been with people terribly, terribly bad, injured and sick, and people not, not too bad. And when we got there and I walked into the ER, uh, Bebo was there and Benny was with me and uh, Dusty George was there. And I don't know who else was there, but I remember them being there. When I walked in the room, I could feel the faith. Right? It was tangible. It, I could feel it. But now, see, here's what happens. When I go to the hospital to pray with people, most of the time when, when you go to the hospital, people are like, oh, thank God pastor's here. Thank God he can pray. And, and I do pray. And we see God move all the time. And I'm not making light of that. But when I went to see Bebo, he didn't need my faith. He had his own. I could feel it in the room. I could feel it in that sterile environment, that emergency room setting. He had faith, and it was easy to pray with him. And he told me, he said, Pastor, I knew when you got here and we prayed that they're going to do surgery, and I'm not going to have to have my hip replaced. And God did a miracle, and he didn't have to have it. He had surgery, but he didn't have to have it replaced. And here's what he said. He said, that was the big change in my life. Okay, I just want to ask you with the time we have left about your big change the big change in your life. Now, what I'd like for you to do, if you wouldn't mind, would you mind just closing your eyes? And, and we're not doing it to be religious or spiritual. We're just doing it for privacy. And what I'd like for you to do is you close your physical eyes. I would like for you to open your inside eyes, and I'd like for you to look in your heart. All right? Look, see, nobody sees in there but you and God. And so I want you to take a minute and look in your own heart, and I want to ask about your big change, that event in your life, that time in your life. And see, there's two things going on today that, that I just want to stir in you. We just finished a series here at Tulia Christian Fellowship called uh, Not a Fan. And it was a series about getting serious about our relationship with God and how that so many times our relationship with Jesus is a casual weekend thing. And, you know, you heard Bebo say that on Monday through Saturday he did his own thing. But on Sunday morning he gave that time to God. And, and I know we can all be in that place. I've been in that place. But Bebo made that transition where he doesn't live like that anymore. And so with you looking in your own heart, maybe there's something that you need to do to, to change, if you will, to where your relationship with, with Jesus Christ is more real, more open, more honest, more serious, and that it's not just a casual thing, that you move away from it being just an Easter thing and a Christmas thing to an everyday thing. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't want God to be a fireman in my life. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, you know, a fireman only comes in case of emergencies. You know, you go into a building and they have that little glass box with a little hammer they used to. I don't know if they do anymore. And you'd break that little glass and pull that handle and it would let the fire department know to come because there was an emergency. Well, you see, my family was always like that. We called on God only in case of an emergency. And see, I wanted to move out of that and I wanted my relationship with God to be every day, not just in case of emergencies. Well, maybe you're in the same place I was. And so I'm asking you about your big change and that you move out of God being a fireman into an everyday relationship with him. And you're looking in your own heart. Then I would be amiss if I didn't ask if there's anybody here this morning. And maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you were invited this morning. Maybe you've been coming here a long time. But you've never invited Christ into your life. You see, Jesus won't go anywhere that he's not invited. You don't get saved by accident. You get saved because you know who Jesus is and you believe in who he was and who he is. So I just want to do two things. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm a Christian, but I'd like to know today. 
would you just slip your hand up where God could see it? You're not doing it so I can see it, but you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I wanna, I'd like to know that I'm a Christian. I'd like to know that Christ is my Savior this Easter. Okay? Then you'd say, Pastor, I, I want to move out of that place where God's a fireman in my life, and I, I want that event to be in my life where I have that daily relationship with God. I want to be more serious about my relationship. Would you hold your hand up where God could see it? Again, you're not doing it for me, but you're doing it for God. You say, Pastor, I, I want my relationship to be what it needs to be with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. We pray all the time in church, and we're going to pray a simple prayer. And I'm going to pray out loud, and you're going to follow and repeat it after me if you wouldn't mind. Pray this out loud with me. Say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross, to be raised from the dead for me. I received Jesus. I have faith in what he did for me. And I'm right with you. God, would you strengthen me? Help me to walk with you every day. To have a daily relationship. To have that moment in my life where I know I'm different. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, here's what I'd like for you to do as we dismiss this morning. If you invited Christ into your life, you've never done it before, I would love for you just to take a minute. Every service this weekend, two services and already one service, this is our fourth service. Every service, somebody came by and said, hey, Pastor, I prayed that prayer for the first time. If that's you, I'm going to be right down here. And I'd love for you just to come by and say, hey, Pastor Rusty, I, I prayed that prayer. I want you to know it. See, it's important. There's no such thing as an undercover Christian. What does that mean? Well, that means you've got to tell somebody. You've got to tell somebody, hey, I invited Christ into my life. Somebody you love, somebody you trust, not somebody that's going to make fun of you. And let somebody know and come by and let me know so I can hug your neck and tell you I love you and I'm proud of you. Would you stand, please?